Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we are engaging in the Martin Brodeur greatest of all time debate because I am a child, and it is the Friday Mailbag where we answer all of your list of questions from World Juniors to Paul Byron joining the Canadians front office and more all inside today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 668 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, we are your daily or every other daily in the offseason Montreal Canadiens podcast. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, or if you're watching our shining faces here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate all of you. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba, who I think is bracing herself because I picked the first segment today which is never a good sign for how the show's about to go. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to say that you're absolved of the blame because it actually goes to our colleague Trey Matthews at Locked On Devils who decided to bring the wrath of the entire hockey internet upon himself. And he actually asked us the first mailbag question that I'm going to ask. And it was pointed and it was because Scott and he disagree. So Locked On Devils asked, in your unbiased opinion, who's better, Martin Brodeur or Patrick Roy? And this is the result of a conversation in which he decided that Martin Brodeur was the best goalie of all time. Now, answer the question, Scott, and please take it away. You have a lot of feelings about a lot of goalies, so please, the floor is yours. I'm even going to mute myself for a little bit while you talk. <sighs> okay. So, in my unbiased opinion, my answer is still the same, is that Patrick Waugh is better than Martin Brodeur and has always been better than Martin Brodeur. And I know this because I've been doing the whole Martin Brodeur is the greatest goalie of all time discourse. Got me thinking, where does Carey Price rank among Canadians greats? Not just all-time greats, Canadians greats. And in the rough stages of research right now, using hockey reference and other things with some help from Nathan from eyes on the prize, putting the charts together as we speak, Patrick Waugh was far better across his career than even I had originally given him credit for in that he into his last seasons with the uh, Colorado avalanche, Patrick Waugh was an elite goaltender. Yes. The league was changing a little bit in terms of save percentage and everything else. Patrick Waugh himself was still better than Martin Brodeur. And the reason behind that is Martin Brodeur's best years came when the Devils played the worst, most boring, defensive, hockey-destroying system of all time, and he faced like 13 shots a night and could take a nap in the crease half the time. Yes, figure out how to beat the trap, but when you're facing 13 shots a night, I'm not going to give you the credit over someone who's facing... 30 to 35 to 40 a night and putting up better numbers, winning two more Stanley cups. And here's the thing. I get that this is a Canadians podcast. I don't even consider Patrick Waugh the best goalie of all time. He's second. The best goalie of all time is Dominic Hasek. And yes, he's got, he got his two cups and everything with Detroit. He should have had a third. Brett Hall's foot was in the crease. I don't care. Dominic Hasek was an absolute 
freak of nature in net. And the thing is, I look at the debates across here. The only people saying Brodeur are Devils fans. And yes, all-time leader of wins and this and that. When you face 13 shots a night, you don't have to do anything. Your body doesn't break down. Dominic Hasek was 40 years old and flipping Marion Gabrick into the third row, you know, when he was played against Minnesota. Hasek was incredible. And to round out everything, it's Hasek one, then it's Ken Dryden. Because across my research on this article I'm writing about Carey Price, Ken Dryden's eight-season career is stupid in a good way. He's got... I believe it was five or six Stanley Cups. He's got so many awards. He's got Vezinas. He was incredible. In his eight years, half of what Carey Price's career is at right now, he saved almost 200 more goals above average compared to Carey Price. And yes, he played behind a stellar, probably some of the greatest teams of all time. And I don't say that with hyperbole. Legitimately, one of the best teams of all time got to play in front of Ken Dryden. They lost eight games. Eight one less than nine, one more than seven, eight. It, it, they were a dynasty. And I, it's not slandering Martin Brodeur, it's true, I'm pretty sure. So, like, he's not the greatest goalie of all time. Do I consider him in the fringe top five? Yes. But I look at modern goaltending now, and I look at some of the guys that, yeah, they didn't have the cups, but what they did over their body of work was far more impressive. Someone, like, mentioned Roberto Luongo likely is a far better goaltender than Martin Broder, Henrik Lundqvist. I don't know where Carey Price is going to fall in that spectrum. This is not about him. But no, uh, Patrick Waugh is better than Martin Broder. Dominic Hasek is better than both of them. And Ken Dryden is better than Martin Broder as well. Wins are great. Wins are not a goalie stat. Wins are a team stat. And when your team allows 13 shots, it makes your life easy. Simple as that. Um I didn't yell as much in this as I thought I was going to. I think I made a nice even-keeled point to make Devils fans very angry at me. But when you have to live in Newark, it's understandable. So, Laura, (laughs) do you have any additional thoughts to the goaltending discourse uh, perusing Twitter right now? I wasn't perusing Twitter. I was tweeting that you were in fine form on the mailbag tonight and to make sure everybody catches the episode. Because even though you didn't yell... I would still consider this a patented Matt Laurent. I Do people want me to things. yell? Like, because no, I can I... definitely yell about how Martin Brodeur <laughs> married his sister-in-law and his uncle daddy. And that is the number has one. nothing to do with whether or not he's better than Patrick Roth, though. That's the thing. Is that, like, I, I find that, like, Martin Brodeur jokes have their place. But if we're going to talk about on-ice hockey, and Devils fans have gotten so angry uh, like the New York, like, sorry, the New York, the New Jersey Devils Twitter account went after Andrew Berkshire for saying something like this. And it's not trolling. I really, truly do think that while Martin Broder is a fine or was a fine goaltender in his day, I think he was helped a lot by his team. You have to look at the players who don't get that kind of run support, who don't even get that kind of defense in front of them, right? That Those are the goalies that you have to look at and be like, this is due to the goaltender. And I know, spoiler alert, you're trying to contextualize Carey Price. And I feel like Carey Price has some things about his game that are the best in the world or the best of all time. But even he's not somebody that I would put in that conversation just yet, right? Like Dominic Hasek is like head and shoulders above the rest. And it took, it takes a lot of hindsight and like re-examining the games and the context of everything to kind of really bring that home. And I agree with you on that front. I think that in the pantheon of great goaltenders, 
I think that Martin Brodeur is not going to be like at the end of the day, when all is said and done, if we take the current generation and the ones that come before it, Martin Brodeur is not going to be as strongly in the conversation as some of the other players who have played that position. And to put a, a, a lid on this before we get into the rest of the mailbag stuff is I'm not taking his accomplishments away from him. It is not easy to win things. Context matters in these things. And looking at the advanced metrics, thank you, Hockey Reference. Love you. Um, Martin Brodeur does not stack up. And it it pains me. I thought Carey Price would stack up better. He does not so far. Spoiler alert, there will be more on that. That that is all I have to say on the Martin Broder discourse. I no longer wish to participate. I am logging off the discourse after tomorrow. But we have so many more questions in the mailbag coming up next. But first, if you haven't tried Built Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what, folks? If you like those chocolate marshmallow protein puffs, there's a new flavor. It's a delicious indulgent cookie dough. And that's right, the folks at Built have done it again. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without ever having to make it. And it's good for you. It's only 160 calories, 15 grams of protein in each puff. So run to Built.com and snag yourself a box. They're great on the way to work in the morning. You want a snack, everything. They are there to help get you through your day. And they are covered in 100% real chocolate with a light, fluffy texture on the inside and all that sweet, sweet cookie dough flavor. So right now, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Trust me, get there. There are new flavors. Go fast. So it's new cookie dough chunk puff. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Get there now and let us know what you think. We are back. It is our Friday mailbag. And as always, if you want to send us your mailbag questions, you can comment on YouTube we will pin them usually to the top of air of the video that you commented on. You can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, send things to lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. We love listener questions. It makes our life very easy to create content when the Canadians are content to do nothing in the doldrums of August right now. Laura, what do we have in the mailbag today? Uh, our friend Chenandler Bong from YouTube asks us, what was your moment of catharsis from last season and New York style pizza or Chicago style pizza? Uh, I would be banned from the state of New York if I didn't say New York style pizza. My girlfriend is in the other room. She loves Chicago style pizza. I don't know if she loves it more than New York style pizza, but I will I will get an answer for, our, for Twitter tomorrow. Uh, my moment of catharsis. I I think there was something very funny in beating the Leafs twice in games they were rapidly outplayed in both times. In that, yes, I know the Habs suck this season and they're terrible, but Jake Allen posting like a 56-save game to beat Toronto is absolutely hysterical to me. Does it matter in the long run? No. And to be fair, it didn't matter to Toronto either. They ended up winning the same amount of playoff series as Montreal did last year. There's a joy in beating your biggest rival, especially after what they did in the playoffs last year, where even when the Habs are bad, they can still be that thorn in the paw of a lion. And I think that's hilarious to me, always. Um, Outside of that, Caulfield's hat trick in the last game of the year. It was, no one was trying except for the Habs, but I don't care. It's the best way to end a season on a high note is everyone's having fun. Carey Price is giggling at Ben Chirac. Cole Caulfield scoring goals. 
Jordan Harris got his first career goal. It, it felt like a very nice like exorcism on the season uh, at the end of it all. For me, it was, I think it was in Edmonton. It was against Edmonton for sure when Nick Suzuki got a goal disallowed and then he went and then did it again and scored the goal again in the exact same way. <laughs> um, Nick Suzuki, speaking of, on Habs tonight with his mother. Check that out as well. It was live. I believe they posted it already. Uh, we're going to have the folks from Habs tonight on at some point in the offseason. We are you know, trying to kind of get to know all the people that we talk to on Twitter, on the podcast, so we can, you know, uh, we can all have like a big, hap- happy Habs community. Uh, also, Chicago style pizza. I don't consider it pizza, but I consider it extremely delicious. It is like an extremely delicious tomato cheese casserole thing. And I love it very, very much. Um, next question from Randy Hansen on YouTube. The video editor left this week after 25 years with the Habs. Is this a function rendered obsolete now with a new analytics department? No, because someone does have to have an eye. I believe he's also the one who's watching in game for coaches challenges and things like that. And I think Mario LeBlanc's been doing this for 25 years. That's a long time. And that's a lot of watching and getting a fresh face in there is likely not a bad thing. I think the analytics department will help who's in charge of that. And it might be multiple people instead of one person now so when they come in between periods that they can have hey clip this goal hey what happened here what happened and they can go over that and they can have potentially more information available to them uh i don't think it's obsolete video is never going to be obsolete in the nhl when you can learn so much when you see things that you can't see on the ice from a different angle and i don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon This next question is from Patrick L. on YouTube. And I love when people ask us these questions because it makes us go away and research and find things out for ourselves. Not related to the video at all. This was related to, I think, our Owen Beck episode. But if I'm not mistaken, there's a second buyout period before the season starts, right? If a trade is impossible, who do you think may get bought out in order to re-sign Doc and Primo? Scott and I did a little bit of digging. Some teams get a second buyout window. That only happens if there's arbitration involved. Yes. So not everybody gets one. It's essentially like if they have to go to arbitration for whatever reason, um, then they have the opportunity to buy a player out in order for whatever that happened in arbitration to be camp compliant. So, you know, like let's say you go to an arbitrator and, it tells, and they tell you Shea Weber is worth $8.7 million. <laughs> a year. And the Philadelphia whatever, Flyers go 15 years. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> This was after his, like, there was a one year with Nashville, right? So um, they went to arbitration. The arbitrator awarded a, a crap load of money. I believe that's what happened. Um, then you have a second second buyout window in order to become cap compliant. But the Canadians don't currently have anybody in arbitration or electing for arbitration or taking anyone to arbitration. So that is a moot point for the Montreal Canadiens. But I do think that they will have to trade somebody in order to re-sign Doc and Primo. So who do we think they have to trade? I was going to say, they were buying someone out. Everyone's going to go buy out Mike Hoffman, buy out David Savard, and I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, my thought is that someone like Yol Armia might be a buyout candidate, or uh, and we'll get to it. Uh, there was another question, I believe, from Randy Hansen that said, if Paul Byron, Byron were to retire, if they could convince him to because of his hip injury, what's the path to bring him in? And I think for myself, that's not a bad one because Paul Byron is someone who's been in that room through the good and the bad as a leader. And I would welcome him as a member of player development because like Stefan Robida, like Alex Burroughs, like Martin St. Louis, 
he battled from the AHL to make the NHL and then became a regular 20 goal scorer and made himself a jack of all trades. Uh, I think someone like that who's useful in a bottom six role is likely to be bought out. You're not going to see Mike Hoffman get bought out. I don't think you're going to see David Savard get bought out. I think they're going to see what they have with Mike Hoffman this season. I don't see that happening, but I think an Armia or a Byron or someone might be the buyout or trade candidate that's most likely at this point. Uh, do we have time in this segment or shall we move on to the next one? Because we've got so many questions still. We've got time for one more short question. Okay. Uh, this is not short. Uh, Beth from the Javier. This is a relatively short question. If the Habs were to do parent trips this season, would you be more interested in going on the mom's trip or the dad's trip and why? I kind of want to go on the mom's trip just because it seems like the mom's trip is you have every player who's just kind of like, oh, shucks, you know, mom's here. I can't, you know, I can't do anything bad. Whereas dad's trip is like halfway through the first period. They're all completely drunk. And it's like, ah, it's a frat party. And every guy, dad's like, yeah, yeah. And they're yelling like it, you know, probably they've been doing their entire life. The mom's trip, I feel like would be hilarious because the amount of embarrassing stories they likely have to tell. Dads would be like, oh, yeah, Josh and, you know, Midget beat up this kid so bad he had to go change leagues. And like, that's weird, but okay. Whereas like the mom's trip, they'd be like, this one time he went to go skate, but he forgot his pants and went out there naked for some reason. And I think (laughs) that would be hilarious to me. The mom's trip would have so many better stories that I would like to be privy to because I that's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Admittedly, I hope the Canadians do both this year. I think both are equally important. Some players, you know, might not have, obviously, like, look at Martin St. Louis, who lost his own mother. I think both are important, but if I had to go on one, I'm going on the mom's trip every single time. I would agree with you there. I just think it would be really fun to hang out with the moms, um, particularly Amanda Suzuki. I'd love to meet her. She seems like a really delightful person. Uh, We've had her on the podcast, obviously. Uh, And Beth from the Happy Hour, please come on our show at some point this summer. I know your life is crazy, too, but we'll figure out some time. Uh, Scott, I think that's it for for this segment. Not for today's mail, but we still have plenty of questions, right? Just for this segment. And remember, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians at Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Don't be a jerk in the YouTube comments. And we will get to the rest of your questions coming up next. All right, we are back. It is the final segment of the Friday Mailbag, which means the minute we are done with this, the Canadians are going to have signed Kirby Dock to an eight-year extension. And Martin St. Louis <laughs> will have grown seven inches at some point. So, Laura, what else do we have in the mailbag today? Our friend Hockey in Ottawa asks us, what do you think Mark Bergevin's reaction has been to Gorton and Hughes nuking the team he built and the general dragging of the job he's done? I don't care what Mark Bergevin's opinion is on this team anymore. If I were to concern myself with every former GM or front office or coach person who had an opinion on what the Canadians are doing, I would stop covering the Montreal Canadians because most of them make that known anyways. See Mario Tremblay, for instance. I don't care what he thinks because I look at all the things about the contracts Bergevin signed. And yes, we saw the Nick Suzuki discourse. Please actually read Dom's article before yelling at him about that, where he disagrees with his own thing, but he can't change his model. Anyways, we knew it was going to be a painful switch things here. And they have prospects and there's things up and coming. They're doing the right things at lower levels to build to the upper level. It's not an instant flip of the switch here. And I'm going to wait two years, three years at this point before some of these contracts are off the book. 
before I think we truly see what Hughes and Gordon have done to this team overall. I would agree with you there. I we did not we haven't mentioned yet uh, the article in the Athletic where they interviewed Dom Ducharme and he sort of brought over his side of the story. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't even read that just yet because I was like, I don't. It's a new era. I don't care. I, I don't care. It's a new. It, it's a new front office, new coaching staff, new players. It's a new era. We're gonna leave the past in the past our friend casey d who i want to shout out because casey takes us on walks every day um so thank you so much for letting us join you you can you know you can have us on in the car you can listen to us when you're walking your dog uh while you exercise and casey's question is if you made a hollywood movie about the habs last season what would you name it and which actors would be in it josh anderson will play himself Yes, we need we need the handsome male lead. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's the goofy one who dies, unfortunately. Um, which who plays goofy characters a lot? Um, Got to be Andy Samberg. And yeah, I know I'm I saying have... this partly the bias because because of Brendan the Brooklyn Nine Nine TikTok. Yeah. It, it fits though, and it's like it's it got to be. Fit. It's a disaster movie where like it doesn't. I'm trying to think of a disaster movie where everything is terrible for 90% of the movie and then gets better for the last like 10%. And then I'm realizing that's just like every B sci-fi movie ever made, except for well, Titanic's not a sci-fi movie. It's a, it's a romance movie. And then it's a disaster movie. And then <laughs> she throws the jewel in the ocean, like a selfish jerk. And I wasted four hours for nothing. Um, it's basically the day after tomorrow, but with the Habs after where just everything goes to hell immediately. Um, Carey Price is the one the no one listens to. Yeah. And Carey Price is the scientist that no one listens to until it's too late. And then he can't do anything to help them, which mm-hmm. kind of a little on the nose, I think for that. So um, I got to think about more of that. That's difficult. So, but I do think it's a disaster movie of some kind, at least. And I think it, yeah, definitely. And then you, you have to have, like, who's going to play Cole Coffee? Like, you have to have a player that's known for, you know, like that kind of role where, like, they're clearly a grown-up but look like a five-year-old. Um, Martin Freeman can, no, Martin Freeman can play Martin St. Louis. They've got the same hairstyle. Um, oh, and- that's a good one. I also really <laughs> like Martin Freeman. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, and then, all right, so we got to move on, but please leave your ideas as to who would play who in the Habs disaster movie uh, on our Twitter, or you can email us or on the YouTube and the email is locked on Canadians at gmail.com. The YouTube is LO underscore Canadians. And we will revisit this topic with all of your ideas. We'll talk about it next week. So make sure you make your ideas known. Uh, Logan B asks, what is your spiciest take for next year? Can I have one? Can I have one? Can I have one? Yes. The, the Ottawa Senators are still going to fall flat on their faces, despite all the imp- improvements they made. I mean, I'm kind of in the same spot with that. And my thing is, um, <laughs> people are going to like to hear this. Uh, I don't think Slavkovsky is going to be a top three Calder candidate. I think he's going to be a useful player, but I think Matty Beniers is going to run away with the Calder voting next season. And I say that as someone who loves Matty Beniers as a player, and I'm sad the Habs didn't get him, but you do what you can. But I think he's going to be the runaway Calder candidate next year. I think that's a great idea. All right. Our friend Rock Smasha. Do you hope that Joshua Rock gets the chance to play next to Bedard at the World Juniors as to so as to play next to a generational talent and hopefully future Hab? Or would you rather he play next to Riley Kidney to potentially build some chemistry? 
I would rather him play with Bedard because that means he's playing more. Uh, Kidney seems to be kind of penciled in as a bottom six, 13th forward type, and Connor Bedard is Connor Bedard. And this is no disrespect to Riley Kidney, but I look at Joshua Wan, I go, we know what kind of scoring this kid can do. Give him Connor Bedard and give Connor Bedard Joshua Wah and watch them put up points together. You, you, I understand the thought of having the two play together, but if you have, let's be like, hey, do you want Cole Caulfield to play with Nick Suzuki because they could be really good together? Or do you want Cole Caulfield to try and get Jake Evans going? We love Jake Evans. You're going to put him with the best thing for the team there. And I think it's always going to be Connor Bedard to this question every single time. So you somewhat answered our friend Bridge and Tunnel Jeff, uh, his one of the questions. What can we realistically expect from Kidney and Raw at the at the World Juniors? So you kind of answered that, but we don't know what the lines look like yet. Yeah, it, it's also very hard because we've seen teams come into World Juniors like flying and then they hit the medal round and then nobody can score. Uh, and this is such a weird like half year where like all the best players aren't going but some of them are but I think if Joshua Wah is one of the leading producers on Team Canada not in terms of goals and assists but if he finishes you know I don't even know how many games there are at this point but like let's say like eight to ten points I think you're doing pretty well for yourself considering the shortness of the tournament if Riley Kidney just gets regular ice time I will be shocked because Team Canada is one of those teams that Sometimes they make head-scratching decisions, and no one seems to understand why. So, But 13th forwards have had big impacts before. Uh, when I was covering the tournament in Buffalo, the 13th forward at the time scored the gold medal winning goal. So who knows? Maybe that's him this year. Jeff has a follow-up question. Why is Gamora? <laughs> okay, did something new happen? I've missed the last two movies. I haven't. No, watched the there, there is not another Gamora movie. reference in Love and Thunder. I can tell you that much. But now this just made me want to rewatch um, Infinity War again. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you for that. <laughs> I like. I have to. I have to do another Marvel rewatch. It really cheers me up. Uh, George Russell, thank you so much for getting in touch. Hi, I listen to the majority of the podcast, especially with the draft previews. Check out all of our, not just pre-draft, but post-draft coverage, because we've had some amazing guests, and we love them so much. A uh, couple questions for the mailbag. Where is Mayshar going to play this season? And if Sean Farrell can crack the roster out of camp, will he stick or go back to college? Uh, for Farrell, he said he's always already going back to college. Um, I believe he is done. He... Uh, they can't participate in the rookie tournament because lodging and stuff is paid for by the team or the traveling. So that violates their NCAA eligibility, which is very stupid because the NCAA is the NCAA. Um, as for Mayshar, I believe he says he's sticking in North America. His rights are owned by the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. And I believe they'll give him a shot. Uh, he might get a few games with the Rocket and they'll see where he's at and decide what to do with him there. The Rocket aren't overly crowded on high skill players, and I'd be very curious to see how he does, but I wouldn't blame the Habs if they went, take a year in the OHL and then we'll go from there. Because he is a first-round pick, he can play in the AHL um, under the rules, I believe. So I'm not worried about whatever they decide to do with him. Um, I'd rather they be cautious than try to rush anything, especially with a player of his talent and abilities so far. So we've got a few more questions left. Randy Hansen asks, how interested are you in the world junior starting next week? 
And what is Team USA thinking by cutting Hudson? I, I'm up in the air with World Juniors just because it feels very weird. And also with te- everything going on with Hockey Canada, it feels very weird that they're even allowed to operate and participate in this. Um, so there's that kind of lingering shadow over it. I am grateful for hockey being around to kind of watch on my off days and stuff, but there's something very weird that doesn't quite jive with it. And maybe it's just because I don't think world juniors hockey is supposed to be being played the same time that the EPL is starting. And I can only focus on so many things at once. Uh, as for cutting Lane Hudson, Oh, as for cutting our short King, uh, team USA is stupid. Nothing has changed. None of us are shocked. So they make bad decisions all the time. Yeah. I like, we're going to watch it obviously because we want to cover it for you. Uh, but I'm a little bit burned out on not just Team Canada hockey, but just the, this whole thing still happening after everything that's been revealed. So, you know, I don't know if I'll get too excited about it, but we are going to watch it. Obviously, we're going to cover uh, we're going to cover it for you and we're going to keep an eye on our lovely Habs prospects. Uh, Randy Hansen's next question. If you were the GM, would you ask Paul Byron to retire and offer him a position with the team in player development. We kind of covered that, but I just want to go on the record of saying yes, A, because it comes off the books, uh, B, because I think Paul Byron is uh, being held together right now with popsicle sticks and glue, and I would like to see him get some rest, but I know that he's the kind of person who would never want to be away from the game of hockey and who always wants to contribute, and what better way to contribute than to be, you know, to be working with those players that you're such a leader in the room for. And finally, Randy Henson asks us, what about living in Buffalo has pleasantly surprised Scott the most? I can walk most anywhere I need to get, which is a super big bonus. It was one of the things that surprised me about Montreal too when I was there for the draft from where our Airbnb was. Everything was at most a 20-minute walk away, and it was very easy to get around. Uh, In terms of Buffalo, um, the food scene's been really, really good to us. Uh, not just wings, but like we found good taco places. We found good Thai, you know, good Indian. We found so many good... We've had Ethiopian and it was phenomenal. And I think the the multicultural food scene in Buffalo is really, really underrated. And that's to say nothing of the beer scene, which is growing a lot. And I am a big fan, obviously, of that as it is right now. So uh, I am coming up on a full year in Buffalo. It'll be sometime next week that I'll have moved out here, actually. So it, it's been it's been an experience. And I hope the next year is even better than this one. I find even more good spots to tell people to go visit when they come. So. That's awesome. And I'm also now trying to find my way to Buffalo for the rookie tournament just because I keep hearing Scott talking about it and, and I want to go hang out in Buffalo. So um, that that's it for our mailbag questions. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your questions. And as always, you can submit the questions on the YouTube. You can just enter them in the comments. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And you can tweet this at, at LO underscore Canadians or DM us at LO underscore Canadians. We're very happy about that. We're in the process of lining up a really cool guest for next week. Um, and if you have suggestions for that, you're welcome to email us as well. Uh, and uh, as always, do not be a jerk. I want to thank the person who gave some really constructive criticism, actually, who said my shirt was distracting because I was wearing a striped shirt the other day. And I completely forgot that you're not supposed to do that on, on camera. And it was apparently like making blurry, like making like my my whatever, the view of me very blurry. Then I went and I watched the video and I cringed. So I'm sorry about that. And thank you for reminding me of that. So I am now wearing solid colors <laughs> from now on. 
And as always, if you want to follow us, we are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Laura's at the active stick. And I'm at Scott Matlow. When you were done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL. They have all the breaking news and updates from all of our local experts all summer. Folks, we will see you all next time.